Thanks for joining us for today's message. We want to encourage you to visit NBCOcala.com if you have a story to share about how God is working in your life or if you would like to support this ministry financially. Today, we're hearing a message from our series entitled, Do Unto Others. This series delves into God's call for justice and peace and invites you to be His hands and feet in a hurting world. Help me welcome our internet audience, would you? God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, I was gone this uh, last weekend and all this week uh, at school. I'm in a doctoral program. I'm, I have a lot of people ask, how's that going? And I am making straight A's. Just want to tell you that. Um, the reason I'm making straight A's is because there's no math involved. So that's a good thing. But it's going really, really, really well. And um, um, probably... I'm um, over halfway, and it's, and it's going well, and I'm enjo- enjoying the journey, but it is quite challenging. Um, uh, last week, I watched uh, online. I was in the Internet audience, and uh, you were in good hands, and I just want to say thank you to Pastor Lee. He did a fabulous job feeding you last week. I, I bet his mom and dad are just really proud of him. They did a good job raising you. And then I watched... Uh, then I watched on Wednesday night and um, the Next Gen Takeover, I messaged Pastor Ryan. I told him I smiled the entire time. I just smiled the entire time. So uh, pleased and excited about what God is doing in our Next Gen Ministries. And so good, good stuff there. Well, as I said, uh, yeah, yeah, come on, come on, Next Gen. So uh, in school, part of what we did this week were some writing seminars because we're having to learn to write these big old papers and so forth. And uh, one of the professors put this up, and I just thought it was good, so I wanted to share it with you. And it says, I love cooking my family and books. (laughs) And then here's the next line. Use commas. Don't be a psycho. (laughs) So let's fix it with commas here. I love cooking, comma, my family, comma. And books. How many of you know that's better? That's better. That's better. All right. Has nothing to do with the message, but I enjoyed it. So uh, we're starting a series today called Do Unto Others. Go ahead and say that. Do Unto Others. And if I have a subtitle today, it would be this. And I want you to zero in on this. What God wants. What God wants. That's what we're going to um, endeavor to find um, today. Jesus taught uh, probably one of his most uh, famous sermons, a collection of a whole bunch of things called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. And um, here's a couple of pictures of it, first from an old-fashioned, you know, painting, classic painting. And then here's a a new one. This is an actual photograph from an iPhone 1 when the the first... uh, (laughs) Some of y'all started to believe me. Actually, that's from a movie. But kind of give you the mindset a little bit of what was going on here. Let's go ahead and read in Matthew chapter 5 here, the first three verses. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, it was a massive multitude, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, and here's the beginning, he starts in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on and he teaches the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer and about being salt and light, about anger and forgiveness and relationships and um, 
uh, generosity and stewardship and so forth. And then we get to the end of it all. And in Matthew 7, verse 28, it says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. It was just an incredible body of teaching and then what all he taught. Well, a good way ways through this Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus says this, Therefore, because all the other things I just told you, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Would you read it with me? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. And this has been phrased the golden rule. And um, so we get our title for this series, Do Unto Others, uh, is, is drawn from this. Um, there are other versions of this. In fact, you can find other versions of our golden rule in 21 different world religions. Um, also, there are children's versions of this. For example, do unto others before they do unto you. Or do unto others because they did unto you. Okay? Yeah, I, he hit me back first. You know, it's a, that kind of thing. But in, in the various versions that we find in some other religions, it's in a negative uh, form. And it's, it's this way. Do not do to others what you do not want done to you. Okay, so it's in that way. Jesus presented it in a positive form. And he said, do to others. And the way Jesus presented it, honestly, is more demanding. You know, because we have to do something, not just not do something. And so he is saying, do unto others. Uh, This is proactive here. And this is not just refrain from doing something. This is to show, and I want you to get this, get this. This is to show active goodness and mercy. You know, like God does with us. Do you hear that? This is not just refraining from something so it doesn't come back to me. This is doing something that is showing active goodness and mercy and really like God has done with us. The second portion of this verse would be the B portion is this. For this is the law and the prophets. In the New Living Translation, it says this is the essence of the law and the prophets. The New International says this sums up the law and the prophets. In the message paraphrase, I like this, it says this. Add up God's law and prophets, and this is what you get. What do you get? Whatever you want others to do to you, you do that. You do that. And that sums up all the law and the prophets. Now today, um, this is a message for our hearts, okay? So I, ho- I pray that you'll just open your heart. Uh, if breakfast got burned this morning or you didn't even get breakfast, or the cows got away, or, you know, you were wearing two different shoes because you didn't have the lights on, whatever it would be today. Some of y'all are actually checking. I watched watched y'all. Great week, bad week, good week, last week or the week to come, whatever it would be. I want you to open your heart today. This message is to land in our hearts. Normally, I preach toward application. I teach toward application. And I, wanna, I want to give you one or two points of application because uh, we come to know truth to do truth. And the proof of learning is application. 
That's the proof that you know. And when we, when we apply, when we have application to the truth that we learn, that also leads to life change and it invites blessing. We're not hearers only, we're doers. And James says that you're blessed in the doing. And so normally we go after application, you know, hey, do this. This is how you apply it. But today, I honestly just feel led that this is just a message that is to land in our hearts. This is just to come into our hearts. I want you to give access to your heart for this to land. We're going to learn some things. We're going to see some things in perhaps a different light today. But I, I pray that you will allow these truths to land in your heart and to stir you today and to impact your heart. And consequently, later, there'll be some application with this. So I think we start with a question. Let's start with a question. I've got the question for you up here, and it's this. God, or, or what does God want for the church in these days. Why don't you read that with me? What does God want for the church in these days? Well, I think probably one of the best ways to find the answer to that is to ask him. So on our behalf this morning, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. God, what do you want for the church in these days? And that's been my prayer. God, what do you want for the church in these days? Um, And then we think about this, church, because church is Uh, us corporately together, and that would be church little c, us corporately together, all of us in the church across the street and down the street and across the ocean, and and today multiplied hundreds of millions, actually in the billions. There are 2.25 billion Christians in the world. Now, CNN won't tell you that today, but um, there's over 2.25 billion Christians and on some sort of Sunday are meeting all over, the, all over the world today. I think that's pretty crazy. I mean, crazy as in good. I'm glad to be on that team. Um, so you've got the church corporately, and then you also have, the Bible teaches us, you've got the church individually, that you are the church, that you, ma'am, are the church, and you, sir, are the church, and you are the church, and you're the church, and you're the church, and... I'm the church individually. And so that would bring us perhaps to a second question, and I'll go ahead and put it in a direct question here. God, what do you want for me in these days? Would you read that and make that your own this morning? God, what do you want for me in these days? And I think that as we want that answer and discover that answer, it will frame and inform our hearts and our minds and our lives and and our actions. I want to go back to our main text here in Matthew 7, verse 12. It's in the English Standard Version, which is considered now to be probably the most current scholarly translation of Scripture, English Standard Version. And notice what it says here. So whatever you wish, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. I think the way this word is, whatever you wish or prefer, um, it kind of appeals to your imagination. Because if you start to, what I would prefer, what I would wish, what I would, what I would hope here, it kind of appeals to our imagination. I'll come back to that thought, but first I want to give you a caution. Everybody say caution. All right, you ready, American Christians? And this is where our mind needs to shift just a little bit on this. Typically, we read this, we quote this, most people know this, and we think of it in terms of me. How many of you know that we're typically guilty about being too me-centered? 
You know, we make everything about us. What about me? You know, someone's had a bad wreck, but it's holding you up in traffic. I'm going to be late. You know, and we, we tend to just think about good old me. Okay, I want to shift just a little bit from that. Now think about it. This is the way we would typically apply this. I'm going to do to others so that maybe they'll do the same kind of things toward me. You following that? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. So we kind of think of it as a sowing and reaping kind of thing. You know what? I'm going to do good to this person because maybe they'll do good to me. And while that still works and that does fit, I think it's the wrong approach. You came in the wrong door. So I think it is better this way. I'm going to do to others what I would wish they would do for me if I were them. I'm going to do to others, I'm going to show others active goodness and mercy. Ready for this? Not just so that some of that will come back to me. Watch this. I'm going to show active goodness and mercy to others. Because that's what God wants. Do you follow that? So again, too often we're like, you know, I'm going to be good to others. I'm going to sow goodness and goodness will come back to me. I'm going to be generous to others and generosity will come back to me. That works, but you know what? That's very, very secondary. It's not primary. It shouldn't be our motivation. It should just be consequence that we're grateful for. We know it works that way, but that's not why we're doing it. Why do we be good to any, Why do we show active goodness and mercy toward anybody? Because it's what God wants. It's what God wants. Now, as I said, this verse appeals and invites our imagination a little bit. You know, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And this is, this is what happens to me. Then think of it this way. Go with your imagination on this. If I were them, if I were in their shoes, what would I wish that someone would do to me? That's what I'll do. And when you do that, it's going to point you to what God wants. I was in the grocery store yesterday afternoon, and it happened on the inside of me. I said, what if I was that little single mom? with the two kids that are dirty and not dressed well. And I know she needs more than what she's got in her cart, in her buggy. So what you do is you imagine, if I were them, what would I wish somebody would do for me? That's what I'll do. And that's how you find what God wants. The other day, and I couldn't do anything about it, but I was, because I had a flight to catch, we all have excuses, don't we? An elderly gentleman with a blown out tire by the side of the road. What if I were him? What if I were in his shoes? What would I hope somebody would do? That's what I should do. And that will always show me what God wants. We do unto others what God would want. And the way we discover what God would want is we imagine and put ourselves in their role. If I were them, what would I want somebody to do for me? And there we find 
what God wants. If you're with me so far, say amen or oh my or something. All right. So what does God want? How many of you have ever ordered anything online before? How many of you do not know what online means? <laughs> okay. So if you've ever ordered anything online or researched buying something online, isn't it amazing that the next day or so on the side of your news feed or your Facebook page, how did they know I like these things? Maybe Big Brother is watching. So however all that happens, guess what? Because you've shown interest, you've shown activity, um, we can kind of tell. And there are ways that they're tracking consumers all over the place because they love you so much. No, because they want your money. And so we can tell what God wants and he's interested in by looking at the incredible amount, the massive amounts of evidence and emphasis in Scripture. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you what God wants. Let me, let me tell you about God, what he's interested in. God cares deeply for the poor, the hurt, the broken, the orphan, the widow, the stranger, the challenged, the distressed, the disillusioned, the voiceless, the powerless, the vulnerable, God cares deeply for them. And he calls us to do the same. He calls us to do the same. I'm, I'm just going to give you a few scriptures. Now get ready because we're going to zip right through these. And then, seriously, Luke chapter 4. And he, Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Then we go on to Proverbs 14, 31. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker. But helping the poor honors him. 31.9, open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Zechariah chapter 7, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of, your plan, let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. Psalm 146, he gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows. He frustrates the plans of the wicked. And look at Matthew 25. Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Here it is, here it is, here it is. And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. He goes on, he goes on. Hold on, y'all eating up my time. He goes on in the next few verses and he said, I was, I was sick and I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And I was sick and you didn't come see me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. He, he goes to the reverse of this whole thing. And they said, Lord, when? 
when, when were you hungry and we didn't feed you? And he says, inasmuch as you didn't do it to the least of these, my brother, you didn't do it to me. And so this do unto others is a massively important thing. Scripture act, actually close to comes to 100 to 1 in ratios of verses that show the favor and effort of God toward those who are poor and hurt and, and need in need than those that are already blessed and powerful. And this is going to take a little bit of a mindset shift for some of us to just hear what God's word says on this. Pastor Rick Warren, and I love his ministry and his writings, he says this, I've got three advanced degrees. I went to two different seminaries in a Bible school. How did I miss the 2,000 verses in the Bible where it talks about the poor and the hurt? You know, sometimes if I go in a minister or speak somewhere else, uh, they'll say, how do you want to be introduced? And so I go, well, let me tell you. I'll say, uh, just say, this is Tim Gilligan. He's the senior pastor of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. Now, how many of you know that I'm more than just that? I'm a, I'm a peepaw. I'm a ninja. I'm a lip, Olympic level figure skater. No, I'm not. I'm. Now, I'm, I'm many more things than that. And then just follow this. And I say this. I say this humbly here. I'm just trying to make a point. I might get introduced as that, but I'm, I'm, I'm many more things than that. That's just probably what I'm more known for publicly. So keeping that train of thought, it becomes super significant then that God is so frequently introduced in Scripture as father to the fatherless and defender of the widows and the helper of the hurt. Now, how many of you know that he's way more than just that? He's way, way, way more than that. But did you know that if we look at Scripture, back up a little bit and look at the whole of Scripture, we're going to see that that is what he's most known for in Scripture, is being the father to the fatherless and the defender of widows and the helper of the hurt. And so here's the bottom line here. God cares deeply for the poor and the distressed, and the broken, and the disadvantaged. And for you and I, and he's calling us to care deeply as well. He's calling us to show active goodness and mercy. He's calling us to find out what God wants. Let's look at Micah chapter 6 real quick. He has shown you, O man, O woman. Well, actually, let me fix that. Alicia told me, don't call me woman. Because one time, long time ago, I said, listen, woman. And, um, well, that didn't go well. And now back to our program. He has shown you, old person, what is good. And in the next few weeks, we're going to go deep into the language here. Because some of these words are so incredibly rich. What is good? He's shown you, O man, O woman, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? That was our question. God, what do you want? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, we'll look at this more, but listen, if you will do justly, there's your actions. 
Because you love mercy. There's the motivation. There's the heart. You will be found to be walking humbly with your God. And I want to promise you something. Anybody who walks humbly with God Almighty, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. To do justly, to love mercy. Let me just talk on mercy just for a moment. So often we see people that are distressed or poor or challenged or vulnerable. And we cross our little arms and go, well, if you just make better choices. You know, I never would have handled it the way they handled it. That's not mercy, my friends. That's pride. That's judgment. Listen, you don't know their story. You don't know where they came from. You don't know who raised them. You don't know what happened to them along the way. You don't know. You don't know what would have happened, what you would be like had you lived their story. And when you start to realize that to the place it burns you a little bit, you'll love mercy. And when you love mercy, then you'll do justly. You'll try to make things right for people. And that's walking humbly with your, with your God. That's showing active goodness and mercy. You know, like God does with us. Like he does with us. I'm almost done. This whole issue of poor and needy and hungry and broken and disadvantaged is massive. And it's complex. And there's no single way to fix it. I don't even know fully what to do. And I'm not even telling you today. When you leave here today, feed every homeless person and help everybody with a broken down car and go in the grocery store and just look for people and blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to wait to do it either. I frankly don't know fully what to do. I just know that right now God is wanting to do something in our hearts. He's wanting this to land on the inside that we would do, that we would... We would show goodness and mercy just because that's what God wants. And then we would let that happen in, in our hearts. We're, we're trying to position some things right now with the church. And in a few weeks in the early part of November, we're going to have a church-wide serve week. And I don't even know what all we'll do, but we're going to show active goodness and mercy in our community. Just all over our community. And not so people can say, because oh, we're from Meadowbrook Church. No, just simply because God would want that. And then we're going to have the men's rally and we've got other things just so that we can be active and we can start to think. But, you know, we're not going to think right if our hearts aren't right. And God wants this to land in our hearts today. God, what do you want? What do you want? And the thing that helps us to zero in and focus in on what do you want is for us to use our sanctified imagination and say, what if I was them right now? What if I was in their shoes? What would I hope that somebody would do? And right there, bingo, now I know what to do. And it's to show active goodness and mercy to them. That's, that's what God wants. That's what God wants. So today I'm just asking you to give God access to your heart. Just open your heart and say, God, show me what you want. And begin to see and begin to feel and begin to imagine. And I pray that it wrecks you a little bit. Oh, as I've been really thinking and praying about this over the last few days, I've cried numerous times and, I've, and God's showing me situations 
He's showing me people in need, and my imagination starts to what if, what if I was them? What would I want somebody to do? Instead of saying, well, no wonder that's messed up. Look how you act. Look how you, you know. God forgive me. God forgive all of us. And instead, God will give you access to my heart to come in and to help me begin to see and to feel and to discover what you want, which is active goodness and mercy. You know like God does with us. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning?